Hello and welcome to the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, where I, Michelle Carville, interview business leaders around the practicalities of how, in this hyper-connected digital age, they are embracing digital technologies to tune in and connect and communicate. You can find all episodes of the podcast together with show notes via our website, carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, very first episode of the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, I am delighted to have interviewed Karen Bradshaw. Karen is Chief Executive of Charity Finance Group. She joined the group in June 2010 from the ICAEW, where she was head of the charity and voluntary sector. In addition to supporting a number of small charities and community organisations, Karen is a member of the NCVO's National Assembly, sits on the charity's sort committee on a number of government working parties, is a member of the Church of England's Pension Board Audit and Risk Committee, and is chair of the board of the Directory of Social Change. She is named in the top 30 UK social influences in risk, compliance and reg tech. And Karen is avidly social. She's a social CEO and has been named in the top 30 social CEOs in 2013, 2014 and 2015. Okay, so great to have you on the show, Karen. Um, I've already given everybody a little bit of introduction to, to who you are and, and what you've done. And, uh, and so let's really kick off with the conversation then around what we're talking about here on the Get Social Leadership podcast, which is about leaders embracing social mm. and digital technologies. So you are the CEO of... Charity Finance Group, um, and I know that you are active on social media. So can you tell me just a little bit about how you got started, why you got started? Yeah, of course, of course. So pleasure to be here, by the way. Um, I started after a, a colleague um, at my previous place of employment, the Institute of Chartered Accountants, um, on Twitter, of all places. Um, and I was very, very sceptical. He sort of wandered over to my desk and said, are you on Twitter? And I sort of scratched my head and asked him what on earth Twitter was um, and wondered why, <clears throat> wondered why people didn't just go and talk to each other. <laughs> um, and I was really, really sceptical about it to begin with. But I thought, well, OK, this is, this is the new thing. This is where we're supposed to be. So I'm, I'm going to have a look at it. And this was like nine, ten years ago. And I very, very quickly found that it was giving me access to information much more quickly and to people that were not in my social circle or within my network that were really incredibly powerful that could be useful to me in my work, could be useful to me in my career. Um, and it didn't take long before I was pretty much hooked and convinced that it was a good thing. And I haven't really turned back. I've, I've used Twitter an awful lot in the intervening period. I've progressed onto LinkedIn. Um, I've used Instagram. I'm starting to use Snapchat, but I'm, <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little uh, less convinced about Snapchat at the moment, but I think that's probably just because I'm old and, <laughs> and I find it difficult to get my head around how these things work. <laughs> Great. So, so you were really quite an early adopter from, you know, from a, a leadership perspective as to getting out there. And, and that's not unusual that, I mean, that's unusual, but it's not unusual that the thing that hooks people, and it certainly was the thing that hooked me, was that accessibility to people that, 
you wouldn't ordinarily be able to reach. So, I mean, have you found yeah. that, how has that played out in your, in your role? Uh, you know, how has that helped you reaching those networks and the connections that you've made? Are there, are there any yeah. stories around that? Yeah, absolutely. Loads of them, in fact. I mean, from the, the quite funny uh, stories like uh, becoming uh, quite closely connected with somebody who was working in the charity space, who simply put out a tweet to say, has anyone got a 1920s dress I could wear? <laughs> um, <laughs> through to uh, lending a flute to somebody who then ended up working for me, was a brilliant member of staff that I don't think I'd have met had we not um, had that sort of very social interaction. Yeah. Um, but then some very purely work-based ones. So I happened to be sat on the train a few years back and we were talking about social media and, and things of, of uh, work-related and a chap was sitting on the train and overheard me and leant forward and, and we had a, a really interesting conversation. At the end of the, the train journey, I'd forgotten to take a business card and jot down anything other than his name. Um, and I subsequently looked him up on Twitter, connected with him, and he ended up giving a keynote speech at one of our conferences. So, wow. you know, there are lots of ways in which it's been really incredibly useful from that personal perspective. Um, but I think it's also given me a greater insight into what happens in other people's work areas and that's really useful when you work in an organization like mine where you are not a frontline deliverer of services but rather a supporter of other organizations delivering frontline services to really understand what's going on for them is a really powerful thing when you're a service deliverer to others yeah so it's yeah it's been great and and that is that's 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 part of it, isn't it? I know this is something that I cover in Get Social. That I think initially, when I speak to people, when I speak to over the years, I've spoken to organisations and say, "Oh, it's all about sharing things that you know people have had for their breakfast." You know, I mean, <laughs> I think we've moved on from that a little bit. But but it isn't just about the sharing and the communicating. I mean, what you're talking about there is the tuning in, isn't it, really? And, and, and tuning in and listening to what is going on in your landscape so that you are more informed. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there still is the frivolous. There still are people that, you know, put up what they had for lunch. And to be honest, when you talk about social media, it's important not to forget that there is the social element to it too. And if you only absolutely. think about it as a, a, a media channel then you can quite quickly, I think, either become stale or dry or broadcasty. Um, and all of, all of those sorts of broadcasting aspects are very, very important. But if all you ever hear from someone is them popping up now and again and saying, here's something to sell you, yeah. you, aren't, you aren't connecting in that social sense. No. Um, and I think in terms of the networking piece of it, this is a, a really powerful way in which you can not just connect with people, but get to understand what's going on for them. Um, and one of, one of the things that I tend to use social media for in the morning is just to tune into what, what's the lay of the land out there. What are the big things that are happening? What, you know, what, what are the newsy items? Yep. Um, are there people that are doing big events today that are our members, for example, that I can go, oh, congratulations, or encourage them or share their information? Um, so, yeah, it is much more than just sharing your lunch or tapping oh, into others it's that real insight piece yeah and I think that's a very valid point about the social aspect because they are social networks and you know they're not broadcast channels they they can be very far-reaching broadcast channels but like you say you don't want to you you don't want to lose that that 
that piece around being a human being, you know, and mm. finding out what makes people tick, you know, not just what's going on, but, you know, who, who are the people behind these organizations? So that often comes up a lot when I'm training and coaching um, people and teams is around the blend of personal and professional. H- how mm. does that, how does that work for you, Karen? How do you balance that? Or if indeed you do, what, what, what would you, mm. you know, what, what, how do you manage that? So from my perspective, I don't have a great big line between Karen as a person and Karen as a professional. Yeah. Um, and I don't, what I, what I mean is I don't have a persona. So I don't have this sort of um, act that I put on. What you see is what you get. And you get this whether I'm in my professional capacity or my personal capacity. Of course, there are things that limit what I would say and the the ways in which I might say them. So there will be topics that I wouldn't engage with in a personal um, space because it's not relevant to my personal contacts. And and in the same way, I wouldn't interact with some topics because that I would in a personal way on a professional basis because they are either something that CFG has taken a particular line on or they're particularly controversial or then nothing to do with CFG and me popping up and saying something about them might um, take CFG in a, in a different direction. So I am very cautious about ensuring that the voice that I give when I am particularly on social media that is seen by others as opposed to internal uses of social media, yeah. is that what I'm putting out there is consistent with my role as CFG. Because whatever I want to say, this is a personal capacity, I am the CEO of CFG. Yeah. And therefore, I will be seen in that light. Absolutely. And there's a responsibility that comes with that, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I won't, I will engage with things that are completely personal. So if I'm having a terrible journey on the train, I will quite happily say, oh, come on, X-Link, <laughs> can yeah. you sort this out? Um, or if I'm having a, a personal holiday, so I might share a picture of, you know, my kids and I kayaking down a river in France. Yep. That that sort of thing I would share. Yep. And I wouldn't see that as being unprofessional, but I might not express strong views on a political side that I would to my friends and social sector because yeah. it's not consistent with my role within no. CFG. No. And and you touched there on uh, the point around external social media and internal social media. Mm. So, so, and, you know, and this is a really... It's it's a really interesting um, point because it's put, when social technologies started, we always think about social media as very external facing. But mm. in many ways, there were lots of internal facing social media channels like intranets, for example, mm. you know, yeah. that already that were already around before these external far reaching social technologies uh, were embraced. So how 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 do you as an organization? encourage social technologies is it is it I mean you're the leader and and I know you've been you know you 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 are recognized as a very social CEO you know and you've been recognized for that for for a number of years um, because you've been out there and you were an early adopter and you engage and embrace with these channels and and you're out there externally how are you leading that and championing that if indeed you are internally within the organization Mm. Well, I, I think in terms of um, 
the internal environment. I I have been working long enough to have remembered life before the internet and even yes. before emails. Um, and I think I think what I have noticed, particularly in recent uh, months, when we have adopted, for example, workplace the Facebook workplace for our oh. internal communications is the different tone and energy behind the conversations that go on on our Facebook workplace versus the email communications that go on Um, and I think that what it enables and I I certainly encourage is that playfulness within the work environment that I think can really be a, a lubricant to innovation. I think that when you are asking people to be formal the pressure to provide a fully formed thought or a well business planned activity sometimes stifle a good idea emerging. Whereas where you have given permission to play and to be less formal, and I think that is very much encouraged by places like Workplace or tools like Workplace, um, what you get, I think, is much more creativity and much more friendship and uh, fun that enables some of those really sparky ideas to just emerge in ways that they wouldn't have done had you only had your all-staff email. Um, And I would say that the intranet side of things, I have seen some intranets that work really well, but I haven't experienced many. No. Uh, and I love, I love that idea of the freedom that because we're so used to, in many ways, the freedom of those technologies externally, when they are placed internally, it's almost habitual, isn't it? That you, you then carry on just having that authentic way of communicating mm. because it's a way that you've been communicating externally on that channel uh, and 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 it's great that you've seen that freedom and 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 when people don't feel the fear is there or that the formality is there they can be a bit freer and and that does open up like you say creativity yeah and i think that what a lot of leaders would be fearful of in that environment is that you would be giving carte blanche to people to to sit and play for hours on something that isn't productive and work based but the reality is that there aren't hours and hours being sunk into the team, whiling away their time, having private chats on Facebook Workplace. It it is actually naturally becoming a work-based tool. And the playfulness is is aimed at the work rather than the work is facilitating pure play. Um, And that, I think, is an important distinction. That is really interesting. The the other thing I'd say around you, you asked how do I... uh, how does how does social media play out generally for the teams? One of the things that that we do do is encourage people to tweet and to have a presence in social media on social media platforms in their own right. Um, and so, what you will get, for example, is um, individuals with their own um, Twitter handles. Um, a good example would be my HR coordinator, who will share with me some of the interesting things that are very specific to her interests around HR and and leadership and organisational development. And she'll happily share those with me because she knows that I have a a similar interest in that sort of leadership and enrichment and and, and some of the uh, more cutting edge uh, aspects, those things like what's the role of kindness and love in the workplace, those sorts of things. So, So you get to start seeing an individual 
expanding their own uh, specific area of work, but not necessarily only through the medium of the formal training or the formal um, channels that exist within the constraints of the normal workplace. Yeah. And so so it's encouraged for the whole of the, well, for, for many of your organisation to, to be able to do that. So not to only play internally with the social technologies that are being enabled, uh, but also to have their own identities and to share and, and communicate. Uh, was Are there mm. guidelines that, that, you know, steer that encouragement? Well, I wouldn't say that we've got formal guidelines in the sense that there is a here is a set of social media do's and do nots. Yeah. Um, we do have and have had training. So individuals, when they are tweeting for CFG's purposes, have had some support around what those sorts of things might look like. And we also have the same sorts of, of guidelines that we would give to them, for example, in networking at a physical event. So um, we have an annual fundraising dinner, for example. And I would say to my team at that event, do let your hair down and network, but remember you are in a work environment. And it's the same sort of thing on social media. Do remember that when you're out there, if you say that you work at CFG, you're always going to be seen through that lens. Yeah. Um, and therefore, we wouldn't police what they say in the same way that I wouldn't stand on somebody's shoulder at a networking event waiting to hear what they said. No. Um, you, you have to set the parameters and they give people freedom to operate within them as adults. Yeah. And there's trust, isn't there? You know, it's kind of absolutely the best judgment. You know, you've got to trust the your, your employees uh, and your team. So that I mean, this is very inspirational. And what what have you learned so far? I mean, have there been have there been challenges? Have there been any challenges that you've had to overcome? Or you, you know, what what's been the learning so far with engaging social as an organisation and indeed as as a leader? Uh, engaging it and embracing it within the organisation? Well, I think for the organisation as a whole, there are um, clearly moments at which we have, um, I suspect as any other organisation has, put things out and then thought, oh, crumbs, that's not right. (laughs) Um, And yes, it does have a degree of permanency in the sense that somebody could have screen grabbed or somebody may have, um, you know, cached the the information. But Mm -hmm. most mistakes you can rectify. And most mistakes are not going to bring you to your knees. Um, And if they are um, upsetting your audience because you've chosen poor language or or you haven't um, expressed yourself in a way that supports, it confuses, um, those sorts of things, a well-placed apology or or rectification can easily resolve those. So the learning has been to all of our team, actually, try it. Um, you know, don't don't try and overthink things. If something doesn't feel like it reads right, just delete it and and try again. Um, so, for as an organisation, I think that that's one of the key learnings. Another one is that this can very very easily suck all of your time. Yes, um, and therefore you have to strike a balance. Um, and and I think that in the early days of of using it as a work tool, I think a lot of people felt that they needed to be on it 24-7, almost like the emails have become, you know, a ruler that it's coming, so I need to instantly respond. And the reality is you can't do that and, and drive forward your activities in a, in a manageable way. You end up spending all your time responding to emails, responding to tweets, responding to yeah. this instant communication, and you can't do that. 
So one of both organisationally and my personal learning has been to not try and be a slave to the notification button, but actually to, to put some time aside regularly throughout the day to check in. Um, I do also check in if I have a five minute slot and it's too little time to start something else, then I will have a quick look and catch up to see whether anything's changed or if there's something new that I, I would uh, value knowing about. Um, from a personal perspective, I think the other aspects that, that I have learned uh, is to treat it in much the same way that I do with a physical networking event again. So I would not tweet, for example, if I have had um, any, if I've had anything to drink. <laughs> um, if, if something's really annoyed me, I will try not to give an instant response to it. Yeah. Um, there, there are things like that around personal restraint that I, I recognise in myself that I have an opinion on almost everything. And that's something not to necessarily always express. No, especially not, uh, you know, to thousands of people, millions of people. <laughs> Quite. Um, brilliant. So, so, it's, so you're really fitting this into your working life. And, and it's, you know, it, it almost sounds like it's now no longer something that you actively do. It's, it's just, it's part and parcel of what you do. Yeah, absolutely. One of the first things I do when I get in the office in the morning is to open a range of different social media um, applications. And as I say, I won't necessarily have them blinking at me throughout the day in much the same way that I no longer look at my emails every time they come in. I look at them in chunks of time through the day. Yeah. Um, And it it is embedded in in the work. It's it's part of the job. It's part of the job and it's and you're managing it, you know, because I think that's where a lot of, you know, when I, a lot of the pushback is, oh, I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm worried I'm going to screw it up and I'm going to say the wrong things and upset everybody, uh, you know, and then and, and the, the general fear. But the time aspect is, y- yes, I do. I, I agree, Karen. I think that people, particularly earlier on, used to think that you had to set aside very specific time to do this or that you would be completely tied up in knots throughout the entire day like you say mm. being a slave to the notification button but it's all on your terms isn't it it is it is and I maybe this is one thing where us oldies have got a little bit of an advantage over the the young ones yeah. that have grown up with this I remember receiving letters I remember how facts then amended yes. the, it, the, the speed with which people expected you to respond the telephoning um, in a work context would expect you to respond immediately. Um, you know, you, you had this sort of increasing pace, whereas my kids' generation, they've grown up with this. There is that immediacy and that, that desire and need mm. to, to continuously respond to, to what's there. And I think perhaps one of the challenges that we have as leaders in workplaces is to ensure that the people that have grown up with social media don't feel like that um, demand for instant response drives their their day but rather that they are in control that they can manage their time and that it won't be seen as as lacking in customer service or not giving an appropriate response Um, they do have that greater power that maybe they don't feel because so far all of their social engagement through media has been in a social space and not a workspace 
Yeah, and and I think that's really interesting to to see how because if you if we think about it, you know, it's almost the adoption of social media as being teaching people, you know, this is what you have to do. We have to there has to be a, a certain level of responsiveness, you know, otherwise that mm. upsets people. But now we're moving into the reality of but managing that responsiveness, isn't mm. it, so that it mm. works for the organisation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you know, so so that's 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 really interesting. And what you know, what do you what would you say? Because I suspect there's a lot of people who are tuned in uh, or will tune into this podcast and and are thinking, oh my goodness, you know, we're we're nowhere near this, or um, y- you know, we 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 don't give our people the freedom for this, or that they themselves aren't involved with it be- because of a lot of the fears and those aspects or the time aspects that you've you've touched on or they just don't feel it's their place you know Mm. um it's not what they need to be doing what what would you you know what would advice would you give to somebody who's kind of sitting there thinking how do I even start with this Mm. well I think the how do I even start with it is best answered by just getting on and doing, you know, setting up a Twitter account and a LinkedIn account, but not necessarily doing all of it. You know, you don't have to suddenly appear on all platforms. Just pick one and try it. Um, if it is about, and what is the use that you are trying to make of it? Is this something about you getting your personal brand out? Or is this about um, extending your personal brand into a different area. So, for example, LinkedIn, I think, is very much more about me as an individual, although I do use a lot of the um, posting of, of uh, events and getting involved in conversations um, in a positive way. But actually, it started as being effectively, here is who I am and here are the connections that I have. Yeah. Um, and it was very useful for us to be able to reach out to individuals who might want to speak for us, for example, who I don't have connections with in other ways. Um, whereas Twitter is much more, I think, a, more of a light touch and probably would be my starting point if I was saying to an organisation, how do you engage with social media for the first time? That probably would be as good a starting point as any to set up an organisational ID, but also to set up an ID that is very personal. So the CEO or the fundraising director or whoever. Um, and to start small and slow, but regular. Yeah. You don't don't wash it with a load of broadcasting and then disappear for months. Um, it's far better to pop up once a uh, once a, a day or what you know a couple of times a week, um, and to do that regularly with low volume than it is to flood it and disappear again. Um, and, yeah, and, and do you get support, Karen, with anything that you're doing? Do you you know do, does your team help you, or is it or is it all you? You know you because I. I you know, I'm, I'm, I mentioned this and I, I talk about mm. this a lot in Get Social about, yeah. you know, when it's when it's a, an agency or it's, a, you know, the comms team kind of mm. on behalf of the, the leader or the CEO. Sometimes that's very apparent, you know, mm. just doesn't come across as authentic. Um, yeah. And and so, you know, but of course, uh, you know, the CEO's got a job you know a big job mm. and and uh, whilst this is in my view a, a means of connected com- you know communicating in a connected way it, it it for those not doing it this is another thing isn't it so mm. do you get support do you get do, does anybody help you or is it is it purely you 
I think, well, in my own personal case, I do most of it myself. Yeah. And I think it is a choice for individuals to say, how much support do I need to get and for what purpose? So if I, it differs between different platforms. So if, if I happen to be writing a blog on, a, on an area um, and it was perhaps, let's say, following on from the budget, I might get um, the bulk of that content in terms of factual content given to me by a colleague. And yes. I will then, it's, it's known internally as Karenify. Yeah. <laughs> I will Karenify something and, and put in, find a thread that gives the story that would be much more authentic to my tone of voice. Because if it's going out in my name, it needs to sound like me. Exactly. Um, and, and so therefore, those sorts of things I'll get help with. Where it is tweeting uh, on something as part of a campaign, then I may have URLs uh, set up for me or uh, some tweetable phrases to use. Um, but again, it would be there to help as a building block, as a straw man, rather than to do it for me. And I certainly wouldn't give over control of my own um, uh, Twitter handle to a colleague. That's that's my identity. Yep. Um, and I only speak with my voice. Yep. Um, so yes, I think you can get as much help as you need, but you have to to really, I think, strive for that authentic voice. Otherwise, people will see through it. If, they, if, yeah. you know, if somebody tweets on your behalf constantly, people will see through it. Yeah, and, and it's, it, it is, and it is so apparent uh, when that is happening. Mm. So, so that's really, really insightful, really useful. What would you say, I mean, there's a lot about as a leader, you know, leadership now and the changes in leadership and we're in a hyper-connected world and there's a lot mm. of challenges for leaders in keeping up with everything. There's a lot of change. There's a lot mm. of uncertainty, like you've addressed, you know, the new people, the new workers coming into the workplace have got different experiences and mm. and you know, and, and there's some very positive aspects of that, but there are also challenges with that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of change. There's a lot that digital is changing for, you know, the modern, the modern leader. What, given that you are there and you are doing this and you are embracing these technologies and you're, you're very much in the now of being a leader in this, this, this digitally connected time, what, what piece of advice would you give to fellow leaders about where you, you know, getting involved in embracing these technologies? I think my advice would be don't think that you cannot do this um, because this is, this is the world in which we are now living. Um, and in the same way that people would may say, well, I don't have time to do the touchy-feely stuff of leadership, that it's all about outputs. It's not. To me, this is part of the modern job of a leader. Um, you, have, you have to be connected. If, if you aren't connected, if you're not in, in the space in which the world is moving, you know, the landscape out there is increasingly digital. The work that we do is increasingly using artificial intelligence and digital yeah. um, technologies. If we aren't going to be part of that, then we will be left behind. Mm. Um, and it, of course, different organisations will have a different uh, level of, of um, participation in that space. But whether you are mildly affected by it now or deeply affected by it now, at some point in the future, this will be now. It's like I was saying yeah. earlier about the difference between having no web, no email. 
it is now just the way that we do things. Um, and there will be a point at which opting out is not an option. <laughs> no. And also, I mean, it, there's so much opportunity, isn't there, to be, um, you, you know, connected with your employees as well, mm. as well as connected with your customers, connected with your landscape. Mm. You can, you know, I talk, I refer to it as almost you can walk the floor at scale. Mm. You know, if you've got organized, if you've got teams of people, let's say they're in different continents, you know, you, it's very difficult to get round and meet and, and know and understand and learn what's really going on the ground with, with your teams, isn't it, internally as well. So the technologies really open up that opportunity to be visible, but also to listen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, CFG is quite a small organisation, so I don't have that problem of, of, be, of having a remoteness from my team. But I've absolutely seen the way in which other large organisations, large scale organisation CEOs have used it in a way to really shorten the distance between the person at the top of the tree and the person and, and the people who are working at a, a, more, a more frontline level. Yeah. Um, I mean, people like Sasha Romanovich, who was the CEO at, at Grant Thornton, yeah. the way in which she used that to shortcut and cut out the levels so that there was that much more personal access, I think was really inspirational in a huge organisation, a global organisation. Yeah. Um, and, and you have other examples in your book. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I absolutely think it is a way in which you can do that. But I think the other thing about social media, if you allow yourself to be authentic, is it is a good way to show up and be seen. Um, you know, if you don't stick to the formal, in inverted commas, cold professional yeah. versus personal if you actually allow your your staff to see you as an individual as a human to share um, those things about you that give you a more rounded um, exposure to your teams so they're not just seeing you as the boss but they're seeing you as a person yeah it not only helps them understand you it helps them challenge you Um, and you know we need we need to be challenged if I'm the smartest person in the room, if I'm the one with all the answers, then frankly, I'm in the wrong room. Yeah, I love that. I love, love, love that. Brilliant. So in the spirit of getting to know you a little bit more, because you have shared <laughs> amazing insights and, and brilliant, 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 you know, very generous with um you know, telling us what goes on within CFG and indeed with your own experiences. And and I know you've been, you've been doing this a long time, you know, you've been, you've been there a long time. So it's very inspirational for people that are just starting out or aren't clear where to go or what to do. So lots Mm -hmm. of brilliant insights in there, but in the spirit of getting to know you as Karen a little bit more, because (laughs) I'm all about that too. I've got some learn about the leader style quick fire questions, which um, <laughs> I'm just going to fire at you. I'm just going to see where it goes. So, so Karen, if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? That's a very short question with probably a too long an answer, but I guess if, if I could pick one thing, I would love us to be much more comfortable, it, both in professional circles so in the workplace but also in public policy circles in talking about love and emotions human connectivity because we're all people at the end of the day we're 100 percent. i love that and brilliant and which book have you read recently that's inspired you oh i've i'm a bit of a 
you don't have to say five <laughs> well I was going to say apart from your book which I have read and it's jolly jolly good and I would certainly recommend reading it in all seriousness it really is a jolly good read and it's very very digestible it's got lots and lots of practical stuff in there sorry I, I, I would I'm digressing <laughs> um, no the book that I've read re- most recently that really had a huge impact on me for a very short book was something called On a White Horse by Kathy Phelan Watkins oh I haven't heard of that one that's going on my no list. but it's it's, it was written by um, the lady who now runs civil society media oh. um, about her late husband, Dan Phelan, who was the uh, founder of civil society media. And it is beautiful and inspirational and moving and funny and it's lovely and a very easy and short read. I read it in less than 24 hours, which probably was because I sat there and <laughs> put it down. Hooked. Yeah. Hooked. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. That sounds great. I've written that down. And... Finally, last but not least, by any means, what's the best piece of advice you've been given to date? Uh, well, I was, I was told by my mentor, challenged by my mentor, I should say, uh, to say yes more, mm. um, which I found quite challenging because I thought that I was somebody who said yes quite a lot. Um, but I, I realised that there's an awful lot of things that I say no to because of, um, if you like, self-limiting factors. So, mm-hmm. oh, I couldn't do that, or they wouldn't like it if, or, you know, so some of that's, that imposter, human, classic female thing, imposter syndrome, yeah. all of the reasons why you shouldn't do something as opposed to all the reasons why you should. And that's, uh, that's been a really interesting uh, experiment. I've said yes to a few things that I wish I hadn't said yes to with hindsight, but I've also said yes to a few things that I definitely would have said no to, um, but that have been really powerful experiences that have challenged me and made me think in a very different way. What a great challenge that mental set you. I love that. That's brilliant. Okay, so thank you so much. We're going to round up now, Karen. So how do people find out more about Charity Finance Group and the work that you do? Oh, well, I would say visit our website, uh, which is www.cfg.org.uk or come along to one of our events or preferably both. Fantastic. So I will pop that link and any details to get in touch with Karen in the show notes. And for now, Karen, I'm going to say a huge thank you for coming on to the podcast. It's been an absolute delight and a pleasure to speak with you, to learn more about what's gone on within CFG and your uh, views and insights around digital technology and social communication. So thank you sincerely for being my guest on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've been listening to the Get Social Connected Leader podcast. Thank you to my guest and indeed thank you to you for tuning in. Please do feel free to share the podcast with colleagues and friends who you think will enjoy it and indeed subscribe to tune in for more episodes. You'll find the podcast on all the usual platforms and all episodes are also on our website carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. You'll also find some really useful digital and social resources on that site too, so be sure to check those out. So for now, from me, Michelle Carville, your host on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in and goodbye.
Oh, P.S. If you're a business leader with something to share around digital and social technologies and you're keen to be a guest on the podcast, then I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, michelle at carvelcreative.co.uk.